How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of what is definitely your favorite Swim Bay podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 95. We're joined by another guy from Texas. We've kind of been in that little uh, little Texas spurt lately with getting some guys on from, from that Texas area, land of the big fish. We're joined, joined by a uh, uh, former slash current bait builder and also a swim bait angler who I'm sure you guys uh, you guys know who the name is and probably have an idea of uh, of what bait company we're kind of talking about here. We're joined by Mr. Ryan Golden tonight all the way from Texas. So, Ryan, introduce yourself and then we'll, we'll get to talking tonight. Oh, what's up, man? I'm, uh, I'm Ryan, 28, over here in Texas. Been making baits for about six years now. Uh... I actually designed some stuff back in high school, fun fact, but art teacher told me it wasn't an art, so I actually failed for that project. <laughs> kind of a random fun fact, but yeah, it's kind of funny how everything's unfolded for me. Damn, dude, they failed. Are you serious? They failed you for it? Like, was it out of clay or was it like a wood carving? Yeah, uh, so it was a clay, I made a clay boot tail swim bait, and I remember my art teacher, she kept telling me while I was making it, she's like, that's not going to pass, I just want you to know that doesn't fit the uh, criteria. Yeah, exactly, and I was just like, okay, well, I'm still finishing it, because I still want to turn this into a bait, and I did, and um, what actually inspired that, so I graduated high school in 2013, and I found uh, Big Bass Dreams and Piz, and that was like whenever I first started seeing swim baits was my, I think I was in either junior or senior year of high school. I saw their social media pages, and from that point on, I was like obsessed with the idea of them. And I uh, got a huddle sin back then, and it, 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 it led to, you know, a slight obsession there for a little bit. And then the reality of buying them set in, and you know, you can't really buy much at the age of 19 unless you're committed to it. And uh, so kind of fell off after a while. I quit doing stuff. And then uh, the way that it fell back into it is really a funny story. Um, there's, It's actually a really weird story, to be completely honest with you. So it's going to sound, this might be one of the funniest stories. Uh, this dude, Paul. I uh, met him, it was Christmas night, like 20, it was, it was eight, seven, eight years ago, maybe. It was Christmas night. I was hanging out with one of my buddies and it was 10 o'clock at night, something like that. And you know, all the stores are closed down that time of year. Yeah. And uh, we were at a parking lot. I think we had gone fishing that evening or something, and uh, we had, you know, night fished a couple golf course ponds, and we ended up going to some of these parking lots, and we did the old thing where you set out a cup, and you just start flipping a jig, trying to make it in the cup while you're just hanging out. And of course, there's nobody in these parking lots, and we see this little truck come cruising by, and we see him kind of slow down, and like as if he's watching what we're doing from a distance, you know? And then he turns around and comes back over to us. And me and my buddy, of course, it's 10 o'clock at night on Christmas night. And some random dude in the truck's coming over to us. And we're thinking, what the hell's about to unfold? Yeah. And uh, this guy hops out. And his name's Paul. Um, known the dude now for a while. I haven't talked to him in a bit. But uh, he, he actually made his own baits. And he had, he had one tied onto his rods. And I saw it. Me and that dude ended up fishing quite a bit together, and that was who uh, we fished with Colton from Greenleaf, and uh, like he was a part of our circle. 
And, uh, but him making baits was kind of what led to, um, me and Colton deciding to try to make our own baits ourselves too. But yeah, and it all just led from meeting some random guy in a parking lot on Christmas night. Funny story, Damn, dude. Yeah. Was, was he making glide baits or was he making like big boot tails and stuff like that? No, I think he had a, uh, he had made a big like three piece wooden crappie with the brush tail. And whenever I saw it, I was just like, you made that? And he's like, yeah. And I was just like, man. And once, once like he had told me about the process and stuff, uh, I think Colton ended up trying to make one first. And I was like, well, heck, if he can do it, I can try it right now. Right. You know, I saw, decided to carve my first one. And if you saw a picture of it, you'd probably laugh, but <laughs> that's where it started. Damn, dude. So Paul was on the, uh, was on the, the shad br- or the, the brush tail way before anybody else was. Right. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, no, I, no, bullshit definitely had the, uh, the kick on that one, I think. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would think that's probably a fair, fair assessment of the situation. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, hey, I mean, it, it's a cool style for some. I like it. So when you once you saw this guy's bait and you pulled it out and stuff, did you get back into the idea of of swim bait fishing? Like, was that kind of when you started pooling your money together to buy buy more baits and shit like that, or, or stuff to carve your own baits? Yeah, because it was around that time. I want to say just. Two, it was like, well, getting into making baits, it was about that time where it, it kind of spawned the thought of, you know, maybe I could try that someday to, you know, maybe a few months down the road, we actually gave it a shot. Um, but as far as like really throwing swim baits, uh, I kind of got away from throwing them there for a few years, but it was actually two months before that me and my dad had, sorry, Alan, uh, we had gone out to, uh, lake fork for a few days and then there's also a little small lake that's out there like monticello it's now closed but you can get on it with the kayak i think it was a power plant lake as well but it was one of those ones that you could go out there and smash 30 pounds and it you know it'd just be a normal day out there and uh we had gone out there and i was throwing a rising sun and it was my very first time throwing one and uh the first fish i hooked on it uh it had come up and jumped twice and we ended up losing it at the boat and all i remember is my dad looking back at me going that one was over 10 <laughs> and i think from that point on i was like okay swim baits are the shit yeah and stuck with it dang dude that that's fucking that's a good way to stick with it i guess looking back at it, it's probably not the best way to uh to realize that you want to stick with it but it's a it's a pretty good story yeah it definitely what left me wanting more you know yeah, dude, that fuck that sounds. I'd, I'd take, I'd take those words like that was definitely a ten or that was a DD. I mean, I'd be pretty pissed off, but I mean, I'd be like, well, shit, well, I'm not gonna catch one of those at home. So I guess I was happy to run into one wherever I am. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, my dad's not just anybody. You know, he he's uh, he's been a full time guide now for 20 years, and he himself has landed 60 fish over 10, I think now. And so for him to say that, I know he knew that that was over 10. And that was that would have been my first one that would have officially actually been over ten at the time. Damn, dude, that's yeah. fucking, that's sick. So after that, you were just you were like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna fish big baits till till I die," pretty much. Yeah, and I got I got pretty addicted after that point, and uh, I think I had a bull shad. That was another one that I really loved to throw. Was the you know the the six inch four piece. 
And then the rising sun, I'm pretty sure was one I do pretty often as well. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Where did you grow up in Texas? Were you super far from, from Mickey's shop growing up? Mm, he's, I mean, he's over there at Lake Fork and, uh, I'm an hour west of Dallas and Fort Worth area. I mean, 30 minutes from Fort Worth, but it's a pretty good drive over there to where he's at. But I, I didn't see none of his stuff. Uh, as far as I never went in his shop or anything like that, but the local tackle shops was where I did buy. I'm pretty sure that's where I bought my first ones. Dang, dude, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, they, those, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask what year was that? Like when you, when you got into it, when you lost that big fish? Uh, hmm, 20, 2015, maybe. Yeah, about 2015. Dang, dude. So I was, I was 14 at that time, and it would have been like another two and a half years until I got into swim baits. That, dude, that just seems so long ago. That's so crazy to, to reminisce about that. I mean, it prob- probably feels a lot longer for you rather than me, I'm sure, but damn. Yeah, it's been a minute. I'd, yeah, I guess I could comfortably say that I've at least been in the swim bait realm for 10 years now maybe Dang. not completely addicted to him i think the addiction started about that time i lost that fish though yeah and then how far down the road did you decide like okay i want to not only make baits but i want to make baits that one day I could, I could probably sell not only catch fish for myself but also catch fish for other people and sell when did that kind of start to arise for you um so I'm a dad to a five-year-old daughter, and uh, I started making baits whenever it was about the time that I found out I was going to be a dad. And uh, at that point, I was working for an internet company, and on the side, I was just doing it for fun, you know, mm-hmm. designing it. But I was seeing it develop so well. And it, like, I think I posted an, a swim video of the eight inch instigator. And uh, it got blown up like over a few different pages and uh, it got shared like by like black market swim baits and stuff. And uh, I think overall it had something like 30,000 views and it kind of brought to my attention like the idea of, well, maybe I could sell some of these, you know. And uh, so it, it started about there and that was, I'd say that was, you know, about five and a half years ago. Yeah, so the guys, guys who were listening to this and just kind of, you know, unwillingly scoffed at 30,000 views back then, like five, six years ago when Instagram wasn't a hybrid of, of TikTok and YouTube shorts and stuff like that. And, and Instagram reels like, dude, you, you weren't, get, you weren't pulling views like that on videos. You weren't having million view videos. Like, like some of these, uh, swim bait pages are like, that just didn't happen. It was, it was very, um, photography or not necessarily photography, but it was very like photo based. Like they weren't pushing videos like they were now. I didn't, not to like randomly bring this up. I'm just like super passionate about this sort of thing, but it's like, it's like 30,000, you know, four or five years ago. That was, that was crazy. Not necessarily viral, but that was like, like everybody in the swim bait world probably definitely saw that video around that time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a turning point. Cause I got a lot of messages of people asking and stuff. And yeah, that was definitely the point where I was like, all right, let's see what we can do with this. Do you remember, oh, voice crack there. Do you remember selling your first bait? 
or first instigator to somebody? Do you remember who that was? Yeah, I actually put number one on it. Uh, it's one of my dad's buddies. His name's Micah. Uh, I have no clue if he still has the bait. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if the uh, clear coat held up on it. I had made and given out some prototypes and stuff like that before that. But like the first official one that I sold was to him. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Dang, dude. He catch a lot of fish on it at the time, or he catch any fish on it? I don't know. Honestly, I think he, he, he made a joke that he may just throw it in his collector's box, and I don't know if he did or didn't. But uh, I do still have one of the, like, I, I still have the very first bait that I ever made and finished, clear-coated everything that was fishable, and it caught fish. I have that bait, and it's it's retired and it'll be hung on a shelf at some point. Yeah, dude. I feel like for builders, for, you know, I mean, just me, like first, first magazine, first, uh, first magazine, I pull out of the box of a new order. Like I put, I put number one on it. I sign it. And then I just, I put it on my coffee table. Like, and I mean, dude, if I was to make a bait and it was a kick-ass bait and I caught a bunch of fish on it and it was like, you know, not the master, but it was the first uh, first bait out of the mold or a mold or something, dude, you better believe if that thing caught fire and people started catching fish on it, that son of a bitch would be in a shadow box so quick with, with some cheesy, you know, printed photos of me holding fish with that bait. Like, I don't know, dude, like that, that sort of thing, I'm very sentimental when it comes to that stuff. Like something you create, I want to not necessarily have it to to have as like a viewing point, you know, in, in my office or whatever, but more so just so I can always look at it and be like, wow, like th- that thing has created so many memories, not only for myself, but for, for other people. Like that's just, that's it, so badass. I think that's, that's kind of like, I'm super big into that thing, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I think what kind of spawned that idea for me was seeing uh, Mike Buka in his shop. He's got that glass case where he's got all his, you know, sentimental stuff that's, worth something to him it doesn't you know it doesn't have a value to it it's just what exactly that the memories it's probably for you and other people yeah dude i uh i I was talking to um uh, yeah i can say this Uh, i was talking to 86 baits today and he was talking about how for toxic day he's gonna bring uh he's gonna have his booth there and he's gonna have the progression like from his first carving from his first you know poured bait to his the master that he had he's like i'm gonna bring all that so people can like understand that builders you know uh, contrary to certain belief that there are builders who who really work on this stuff really put out r&d and and grind on baits and sand baits down and just completely change baits altogether because it swam like shit or did this wrong and i i just think that's so badass man if like you can have have a graph of your progression over a course of time that's just such a cool testament to to what you've done and how hard you've worked for that thing yeah, the amount of trial and error that all these makers put into getting the product that you have in your hand whenever it's done, I don't think they realize how much 
time is just put in on just the carving itself sometimes. Like I know the 3D printing thing is a thing now, but even just the learning curve on figuring that stuff out isn't easy. But like I can only speak for carving and it's every single master of mine that I've carved has taken at the minimum, I would say 60 hours to make. And at the most, I would say 200, 200 hours to get it towards that. And I mean, for people who don't know the baits that you've made and the baits that you make, um, they all have carved scales, right? You don't do a, you don't do a, uh, a, a scale stencil. You hand carve all of them onto the master, correct? Um, actually, I just started doing that on my new model that might be out by the time this comes out. Uh, oh, no yeah, it's it's the eight inch. So that that's the very first one that I've actually carved scales into. Three um, D printing is an option as far as you know for us in the future because I do think whenever I think about a a bait and I'm thinking about the biggest fish in the lake, I know that they're a lot smarter than you know the smaller fish in the lake. So I think realism does matter, and so I do eventually want to get some different scales three D printed onto the baits. Just just for that added realism, you know, but yeah. uh, this is the very first bait that I've actually had some scale baits on or scales on. Fuck, dude. For some reason, I thought your your old instigators had uh, had scales on them, like like carved scales on them for some reason. No, I've I've definitely swung the bat on carving them, but uh, I swung the bat too early as far as my experience level goes because I just I wasn't as experienced with carving at the time and I gave up on it too soon. But here recently, I've been putting in some hours. I've been kind of motivated. So I've I tried think, it. Yeah. I think it often gets overlooked as a consumer. Like, honestly, dude, to be a builder, you have to start off with some base knowledge. But, like, low key, you got, I hate that I just said that, but you have to be like, you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to be able to be halfway at halfway decent at carving you have to be you know decent at math to figure out your ratios even when you're pouring silicone and stuff like you have to you have to have you have to have an idea of how all this stuff coincides and like works together to to get that final resin bait that you throw in a box painted and sell to somebody like i mean if if you paint in the wrong humidity you, all your paint's just going to flake off like there's a lot that goes into it and i feel like a lot of guys often overlook that and they, they scoff at the price tag whether it be 150 or you know 300 for some baits and they just they don't have any you know short-term memory they don't think about all that that's gone into that bait for it to be where it's at today yeah it's it is insane to think about some of the things that you have to learn along the way and i mean i'm I'm not sure, I can't speak on other makers here, but just for me, like I had no, I had no experience with my hands going into this. Like I did make that swim bait, you know, I made it out of clay, but that's not super artistic in my opinion, as far as detail goes and stuff. But the learning curve of all of that, like figuring things out, I think bait making has taught me so much just about life in general, about pursuing a goal. And uh, knowing that your end goal is just making it better each time. And if you pursue that, 
then I think that's whenever you can make something that's considered uh, legendary or it's it creates a legacy behind it. And I think, you know, Bullshad's done that. KGB's doing that. Um, 316's another one. And one day I'd like to be in that category. There's that, like, altar of builders that, that even guys who don't or very little have experience in swimbait fishing kind of know like everybody knows who who buka is because you know he, he's worked with uh mr tackle box and carls and all of them um i mean guys a lot of guys know who mickey is especially if you're in texas if you've ever been to lake fork there's a good chance you know who mickey is or just even from california or you know whatever and then you know piz i mean paul i'm <laughs> Dude, I bet you a lot of guys know what a Piz Swimbait is, but aren't necessarily sure what a Piz Swimbait is. And then but they've definitely of, heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, on top of, uh, I mean, even now, dude, like, like you, you have all these conventional tournament guys start plugging bait builders into their into their videos, and it's like, whoa, like this is really weird to see. I mean, you have you have Phony, uh, KGB, Clutch, all getting mentioned on Zaldane's channel. And then it's just, it's like, it's such a weird time for swim baits. And I know that that gets said a lot on the show, but it's like, if if you got into it before COVID and you're looking at it from the outside in now, it's just, dude, it's done a 180 to what it used to be like a year, two, three years before COVID. It's, it's so wild. Yeah. I feel like I'm stepping into a whole new game whenever I'm back into it. Now I feel like so many things have changed. There's so many different baits out there now. It's it's a little overwhelming, honestly, and I feel like as a bait maker, those are things that you have to, or I mean, I feel like that's more than just being a bait maker. I feel like that comes down to being a businessman and deciding on what it is that you're going to make next and making something that isn't already saturated in the market. I think that's one of the biggest things that's a deciding factor on some of the success of some of these people, because I mean, not to... I'm not, you know, going to thrash on nobody or anything, but like how many guild or how many build, you know, bluegill wake baits out there are there that are extra thick, you know, there's countless now. And I mean, I'm saying that as I designed an eight inch shad glide and I wasn't the first to do it by any means, but now it's like, I'm jumping back into it and holy cow, the amount that are out there now, it's just even more insane. And so that's whenever like your price point and stuff is going to start coming into play. And I don't like, I know that, you know, there's plenty of baits out there that are a hundred dollars and they compete toe to toe at the $300 baits, but it's just about the name that's behind it. And, uh, I, I think one of the biggest things in this game is there's a lot of look at what I got. And it's like, there's a lot of quote unquote Supreme brands. I mean, I don't know if you know, but like a Supreme hoodie is like something like 10 grand or something. And it's kind of like, well, it's it's just a hoodie. And I feel like it applies the same way in a lot of the swim bait stuff is there's nothing that that bait can or can't do more than this or that bait. It's all in how you apply it. But I think there's a lot of, I'm going to buy this bait because it allows me to say I own this bait just because of the name that it gives you. Yeah. And I mean, dude, so when you got into it, um, you know, that 2014 all the way up until honestly, like 2018, we'll go, we'll go year or two before COVID. I mean, I'm sure you can name the two, the two big baits around that time that were like 
quote unquote like the cool baits to have. Like the Roman made mother was was number one. Like if you had a mother, you were the coolest motherfucker on the block. Like as far as like you know your circle of friends or even if you if you posted up a picture, guys are like oh my gosh, did you have a mother? That's like so crazy. And then like. The other one, I mean, but they weren't hard to get. Was like the two fifty. Like guys were like, oh, well, yeah. that was that was like the common thing to have. Like everybody had a two fifty, and that was like the two sides of the spectrum. Like the baits that everybody had, and then the baits that were either you know that well, dude back then like three hundred dollars was a lot, and then now look at it like there's there's baits going in waffles for like thirteen hundred dollars. Like holy smoke, straight straight up ridiculous, dude. That's so crazy. Yeah, I'd, I'll never understand that, I guess, just because I'm a fisherman and not a collector. But I'm, I I do get it. There's art in it, you know, and there's absolutely that. Yeah, I but think... golly, that's crazy. I think... I'm trying to formulate a sentence here on, on what I think. I know what I think, but I don't know how to convey this. I understand it from a standpoint of, of like... If if you really want something, I can understand it, like, in limited quantities. But I also, if I'm going to buy, like, an impact, an impact drill gun, if I'm going to buy a Milwaukee one, I'm buying it because I'm going to go out and I'm going to build a house and I'm going to frame that fucker in with that, with that screw gun. I'm going to put up all the rafters and do everything. Whereas, like, I don't see it as much, I don't understand it as much as buying it and not doing it and, and putting it, you know, on, on my garage shelf or on my Milwaukee pack out set and just looking at it. Like, but, but, but like you said, that's kind of, that's like the art side of things. And I've, I've said it before. So I'm kind of being a hypocrite right now of like, right now the swim bait world is in like the Renaissance era. Like everybody likes the cool paint jobs. Everybody likes the, uh, the cool stickers and the cool logos for bait companies and, and the kind of the, the ingenuity and stuff that's going into it right now. So I can't really bash on it because that's just, that's like the norm right now. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to happen in phases. I'm sure in the next two, three years, it'll phase out and, and it'll kind of become a lull again where it's like, oh my gosh, you have a handmade wooden bait from Japan. Like that's, that's fucking crazy, dude. That's like the hardest bait to get right now. And then it, it'll rebound like to where it is now again at some point in time when it fades away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a Hinkle, for example, they're going for seven hundred to a thousand bucks on eBay, and I sold. Man, I should have held on to them. I sold two of them uh, three years ago, maybe I think for two hundred and fifty bucks in total. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh funny, man, funny story about uh, the Hinkle trout I had. I had one. I got it for. I think they were. It was right around 2018 where he kind of bumped up his prices a little bit. I think dads were 160 and trouts were 180. So I bought it, caught some fish on it, had it for a couple of years. And then when, when I got out of fishing and I got back into it, I actually had sold it because I'm like, you know, I'm not, I, I moved. I wasn't in an area with super big fish like I was at home. I wasn't really familiar even with what the fishing was like down here. But I'm like, I don't need this thing. Like I can buy, I can buy a rod and a new reel and I'll be happy <clears throat> or at least buy a new rod or new reel. And I posted that thing up for like $225. And this was last year when they were, you know, still going for what they were now. Like it wouldn't have been hard to sell it for 600. And, uh, mind dude, like I, I fished this thing. It had rash. There was some chunks missing out of it from where scales got ripped up with, uh, with quads and stuff like that. And, um, 
it it was not that the fins were missing, but they were tore up a little bit. And the guy I sold it to, sold it to him, and I'm like, dude, like two twenty five. That's that's a really good deal. Like even looking at it now, obviously, like you know, five years ago that wasn't, but now with the market how it was, I was I thought it was very genuine. And I was like, I was like, dude, like you see it in the pictures. It's got a rattle can paint job. It's it's anything far from pretty. So whatever, I send it to him, and uh, he became like very hostile to me because one of the the little peck fins the breast fins was kind of uh was kind of cut a little bit or maybe there was like missing a tip of it or something like that and like he was like you need to find me a new set of fins now or you need to refund me some money all this all that and you know this was like when I first started doing the podcast and like I was I mean I was I was known but I wasn't like nobody knew exactly who I was I'm like fuck like I don't want this to be the blem on my record when somebody looks my name up in Swimbait Universe and it pops up with a post that this guy dragged me for you know quote unquote fucking him over so uh so I sent him like $30 back and I I was like super reassuring I'm like oh dude, dude I'm so sorry like I had no idea I didn't even really notice you know I was I was all kind of I was I was also kind of gaslighting him like I was like oh dude like I had no idea I didn't even know it was that big of a deal I'm sorry so like and uh, I was like I'll keep an eye out for some for some new fins and I was like well I took initiative and I made a post about fins obviously at the time nobody had fins so I knew nobody was going to respond and I'm like oh well dude like I I asked you know I haven't really heard anything sorry <laughs> I just I uh and then I started telling people about that and they're like you really let that guy like strong arm you like that I'm like, dude, I was fucking scared he was going to, like, post me as some scammer or something on the forums. Like, I was trying to cover my ass there. I don't think I've ever told this story before, so it's kind of funny because there's only a couple people that know about it. But, yeah, it was, uh, that was just a really, that was, like, where it opened up to him. Like, whoa, like, maybe that guy wasn't going to fish it. I don't know. I thought he was going to the way he made it sound and stuff. Yeah, if, uh, if you're not, if you're not a name of somebody, you got to be careful. You might get canceled. (laughs) Yeah, man. Oh, cancel. Gotta love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and so we can we can kinda we can kinda dive into this a little bit and you can kind of elaborate on some stuff that people probably don't know about. So like we said before, and if 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 somebody heard your last name and hadn't put two and two together, um you were the guy who who started up and, and obviously ran uh Golden Bates a couple of years ago. And uh I mean you had the uh, you had the Six and eight inch instigator, right? Yeah, I had the six, eight, and the eight inch, and then I made the hellion, and uh, I made uh, the gremlin. I made the thug, which was like a four inch topwater walking bait. I didn't make a bunch of those. I made a crappie at one point, which was the rogue, and then I had a wake bait that I had made as well. But yeah, I ran ran golden swim baits for about four or five years, and uh, I uh, I reached a point like I was, I was a super obsessed with it. I loved doing it for about the first two years. And uh, at some point, my work started to reflect that, you know, I, I wasn't as into it as I was before. And it was simply because I just I started doing it for the wrong reasons. It was no longer about the passion of it. It was just about making a paycheck because it was my full time job. And uh I just, I got behind on some orders, you know, and I had people post about me and I handled it professionally at first or I did the, you know, I'm sorry about the issue. We'll get you taken care of. And I tried to be the nice guy and I did that for a little bit. And I mean, 
you know, it's completely my fault. I'm not saying I did anything right by any means because I, I was slow and I was just the place I was at in life at that time. I just was not a happy person. I was just very, you know, depressed and uh, I was kind of overwhelmed with everything. And uh, yeah, life just was a little rough at that point. But it definitely started reflecting in my business because I just kind of reached a point where it was no longer like, I'm going to say what makes you happy. I'm just going to kind of tell you to kick rocks. And I, I started doing that where like, I didn't let people strong arm me and uh, didn't handle it in the right way by any means. I mean, I, I should have been nicer to people. Uh, but I got, I got, you know, the post made about me and stuff just, you know, saying he's taking forever. He's making excuses. It's taking weeks, but I always got people their baits eventually. And, uh, I think that was what frustrated me is like people would make these posts thrashing me, but they would never follow up with the post of, Hey, I got my baits or they'd never comment on it saying that they got their baits. So it's just left at me getting destroyed. And, uh, you know, there's other companies out there. I'm not going to say any names, but like there's other, you know, companies that have been around a lot longer and more established and they never get talked about. And whenever they do, it's, yeah, it's just part of it, man. You just got to deal with it. You'll get your bait in a year or two. And it's it's okay for other people to do it, but at the time, it just wasn't okay for me. And, I, you know, like I said, I didn't do anything right by the way I'd handled some situations because I just reached a point where I lost that mindset of the customer's always right. I said, I'm not Amazon, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, I can't make everything happen for you hand and foot. I'm one person. I'm doing everything. But yeah, it's it's different now. Um I have, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, man. Uh, oh, you're good. I, I have two business partners now, and uh, funny, neither of them are into fishing at all. Uh, and like, not like we are anyways. I mean, they'll do it, you know, just like the average Joe, but they're they're businessmen. And so they, uh, they're definitely helping me keep up with this. They're making sure that I'm happy just doing the design and the everything. And uh, they're they're going to help me grow this very big and help me keep everything straight and narrow. And uh, I'm very excited for what the future holds with this. Yeah, man, that's, that's super awesome to hear. Um, I, I just kind of, I kind of, I'm, I'm not going to call it a tangent, but there's some stuff that I want to talk about. Um, you, you had, you had said that you kind of weren't, you know, in the right headspace and stuff. And I think one thing that a lot of guys, Oh man. Um, is just get me canceled. Um, a lot of guys always talk about like mental health, like, Oh, you know, June's men's mental health month and stuff like that. And yes, like, yes, obviously guys, um, guys always check in on certain people and stuff like that, but it almost feels like that gets dropped because you're a business owner or because, you know, somebody ordered something from you and and they're waiting. Like, you know, un- un- and unless you post about it publicly, it kind of goes under the radar between a customer and uh, and a buyer. I feel like so, you know, un- unless somebody posts like, "Oh, you know, I I had uh, a family, you know, something happened within my family, whether it be a death or you know a separation or whatever it may be," you have to be like very open about it as a business owner or as a bait builder, or, you know, as as an entrepreneur. I feel like in probably probably everywhere you have to be super open about that stuff because i don't know if people really 
I don't know. Maybe they don't think of you on the same level as like a normal person because you're offering a service to them. And so they're just like, oh, well, this cocksucker hasn't sent me my bait yet. Like maybe, maybe, maybe instead. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, hounding builders um, like, like Hinkle when, when he was a year late or anything, you know, I like, so I'm, I'm obviously human just as much as the story that I'm talking about, but it's like guys are so worried about, you know, hounding you on, on where the tracking is. And they're not just like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, hope everything's okay. You know, hope, hope you're doing good. If there is anything going on, you know, maybe I can help at all, but I was just checking in, just see how my baits go and hope you're doing good. Like you get that message. You get that message the first time. And I feel like, you know, you leave them on scene for a day or two or, you know, whatever it may be, you don't respond because you're, you're busy with life outside of the, the bait building or whatever. And, and guys, you know, just automatically jump on that bandwagon of uh, uh, fuck this guy. Like he left me on scene. He's just taking my money and stuff like that. And so I feel like as much as we try to make it a norm to, to be very, um, very, not maybe not necessarily forgiving, but be very open with, with guys and like check in on people. If we, if we don't know how they're doing or, or what have you, it just goes out the window when, when you send a guy $150 for a bait, like you don't think of them human anymore. They're just like, Oh, this guy's scum because he hasn't sent me my bait. And you know, I could just be completely talking out of my ass. But you, you touched on that, and I, I've had previous guys on, um, and within the last couple months, kind of talk about the same thing a little bit. And I just feel like that part gets overlooked as, as like a business owner, especially as like a bait builder and stuff like that. Like guys don't regard you as human once they send you the money, and they've had to wait, you know, a couple weeks for a bait. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: the uh, the biggest they're the highest suicide rate as far as any uh, career path goes is in, I believe it's in entrepreneurship. And uh, I can understand why just because of the stress level that comes with it. But yeah, you're definitely right. Um, whenever you're, you, whenever you have somebody's money, you can't be sorry. You're just supposed to be better. And uh, that's, that's one thing about it. And it's like, there, there's definitely the people out there and they still support me to, to today. And like, I know that they'll be buying baits for me from the first drop. And uh, they're the people who were there that were, you know, nice and they were courteous and considerate and they would just check in, just say, Hey man, are you okay? Like, is everything cool? Like they'd check in, just say, Hey man, keep it up. And it was those people that kept it going but it was the cancel culture that definitely kind of ruined it. Like that was what made me just want to step away from it was just because it just got to a point where like, I need to make myself happy before I can make anybody else happy. And at that point I myself was not happy. So how was I supposed to make anybody else happy? You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a, it's just a super slippery slope for that. Like it's very, interesting to talk about it because you know as far as i know this this doesn't get talked about like the men's health thing gets talked about but not to not into the realm of our things and like when i mean when you know a guy's having a tough time it's because you know he posts about it on his personal facebook like you know could use some prayer or just just whatever it may be you know and like you said once once somebody gives you the money that's kind of out the door you're kind of you're kind of the 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 piece of meat that they're going to shake down until they get their product or their money and you know it's i understand it but it's also like man like you preach about being human and, and checking in on people but like 
this guy's a person too in in some sense like yeah he he might you know have have some coin from you but like just, dude just make sure he's okay on on a personal level before you you go from the top rope and, and start dragging him i guess and you know, maybe guys are listening to this and you're like, oh, what a, you know, that's terrible take on this. But that's just like thinking about it right now. That's just everybody's very quick to assume that they're just getting screwed over, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think it there there was some screwing over that was happening in the industry. I mean, at the time it sounded like. But then again, I'm sure people would say the exact same thing about me. But. So I, so I really don't know, but I, I definitely think there was a, uh, there was a major concern with it. Like there was a big like uprising and people getting worried that they were getting screwed over just cause you know, a lot of these people like me, for example, I jumped into bait making, I think are selling them at least probably too quick because I kind of overwhelmed myself because I didn't dial in my processes more. And so if you, you do that, like you said this, like, timeline for people well whenever you're first in it like you could run into some speed bumps that you've never ran into before because you're so new into it yeah and now you know like now being years down the road into it and like learning more from those things like it is a lot quicker now but that that was one of the biggest things is just you'd run into speed bumps that you didn't anticipate didn't expect weren't ready for just because you hadn't experienced them yet but uh yeah it's it's gonna be a lot different this time around and I mean, dude, there's like, there's even stuff outside of, of the realm of shit that you can prevent. I mean, like what is like in it, like in insurance called like acts of God, like, you know, if tree falls down on your car or whatever, like, dude, I can't, con- I like, you know, I can't control the humidity. Like I can't control if I'm going to be able to spray paint for the next week or not after we have a three day monsoon down here in Texas. Like that's just, there's kind of an extent to it where it's like unfortunately you you have to go with the flow of things whether you want to or whether you know your timeline permits it like you're gonna have to make updates to the people whether you owe them money or it's a pre-order or a drop like hey guys i'm gonna have to push it back or i'm gonna you know we're gonna have we're gonna be prolonged a couple more days because of stuff outside of my um of my control and i feel like as long as you're open about that stuff and, and like going back to as long as like you kind of make it known that you're maybe in a rough patch or you're, you're no, you know, not maybe not necessarily doing great, but you're kind of, you're off the tracks a little bit. I feel like for the most part, people will be, um, a little bit more easier to that. Maybe not necessarily forgiving, but they'll be like, okay, like I, I understand like what this guy's going through. Whereas keeping people in the dark is definitely, you know, just not good for the situation on anybody's part. Yeah, it's so like, I mean, it's for me, like just the stuff that was going on at the time was just really personal stuff that I didn't want to share. But it's like, you're absolutely right in a sense, there should have been something communicated. Because uh, it's like, I mean, for example, like my, I, my daughter, she, uh, she lives with her mom most of the time and I get her uh, the first, third and fifth weekends of the month and then uh, once a week to take her to gymnastics or every other week I take her and uh, something happened with her mom's health and her mom was in the hospital for a month during that time frame, but nobody knew that. And I was, you know, taking care of my daughter for a month. So I couldn't work on Bates during that month. And I didn't tell people that because, you know, it's personal, but it's like people don't think about that. And as a one person show, it's hard to keep things rolling, but that's what I learned from it all is that, 
I couldn't do what I wanted to do as one person. You know, you can't, you can't grow it as one person. It's just not possible. Like there's a cap to it. And so I hit that cap and I was, that was definitely a thing, but uh, just the stuff that was going on in life at the time was not stuff that I really wanted to share. And yeah, uh, but the communication definitely should have been there. There should have been something said just to let people know, you know. Right. And going on that, I think I think we've talked. I've talked about it before with another <clears throat> builder, or maybe maybe it was just kind of on a personal call. I have the builder in my mind. I'm not sure if we talked about it, but. We, we've talked before, or I've had this conversation, that, like, being a one-man crew, super fun, man, you know, don't have to, you know, not saying that it's good or bad, but you don't have to pay employees, you know, you know everything's going to be done to your standards or whatnot, but, like, the shitty thing is, is if it is your full-time job or when it is your full-time job, like, you have to worry about making baits to drop to, to no, to pay for all this shit, to pay for food on your table, to be able to go hang out with your daughter for a daddy daughter date and stuff like that. And like, okay, that that's cool that you have to do, you know, two drops a month and you know, they got to be 40 baits a piece to, to be able to make an income, like a, a livable income. Okay. So 80, you have to make 80 baits in the span of, we'll say 30 days. Okay. Which is okay. But on top of that, to push the envelope and to stay so you don't flood the market, you have to carve new baits. You have to test new baits. You have to, mold these baits you know you have to you have to keep the ball rolling you have to you have to keep reinventing the wheel while you're making the old model of the wheel like it's it's so crazy man you have to be able to keep the shelves stocked while you're in the library learning new stuff like it's just i don't know man i i I hear guys go full-time bait building and like props to them dude like that's probably the hardest i mean that is definitely the hardest thing to do in this in this hobby that we have but it's just like wow dude if you the only way that i feel like it can be super stable is if you have an awesome like an awesome crew behind you to help you to be able to at least you know you can pour baits and they can sand them down install hardware and you can come through and paint them but so you also have that creative edge to where you can make something new for the next month to drop or for the next two months or something like that like there's a very fine line that you have to walk between keeping up with your old stuff, but also pushing the envelope to, to new ideas. Yeah. And you know, that's you saying that like it's, it's, it is so overwhelming having to keep up with all that and just order materials, talking to people, finding new ways to market, designing new things, coming up with the ideas. Like <clears throat> you're thinking baits 24 seven. I mean, if you're full-time doing it, that is all, and you're by yourself, you're thinking about baits 24-7. How can you make them better? What can you do to speed up your process? All of that. And uh, it definitely takes a crew to really get it going. Uh, So I was like, I sold the business last year to a different guy, and uh, he changed the name. And I think it's funny to me now because, like, he he said that he couldn't do this if he didn't have me, and his uh, his wife helps him too. But like, he said he couldn't do it without me because, like, he understands how overwhelming it is and like trying to come up with the new designs and stuff. And uh, like, it's 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 not easy, but that that ended up changing for that 
business deal and uh, it kind of went south and now I'm back to making baits again. So that's how that happened. Yeah. Uh, shit. There was something I was going to say. Um, oh, and this is something that we were kind of talking about before. Okay. So you're a one man crew doing, or you have a crew and, and you're kind of the guy who's, who's pushing the envelope for the company and, and designing stuff and kind of thinking about how to market yourself. Dude, it being a full-time gig or being even a part-time gig, I mean, there's times where I I come and sit down and I record a podcast and it's like I'm at work and I'm like, fuck, dude, like I just recorded one yesterday. I've recorded one or two this week. It's like, I, dude, I do not feel like doing it tonight. Oh, my gosh. And that's like, that's on a small scale, man. This is like, I'm doing this for free just for fun. It costs me nothing to do. Whereas like, I mean, being a builder, you got to do it, you know, hit that quota, 80, 100, 100 baits a month. Like you you have to do it. Like burnout is a thing, but if you want to have a house to live in and food on your table, burnout's not a thing. Like you have to fucking do it whether you want to or not. Like you got to just wake up, grit your teeth and, and clock in and that like Going back to like the mental health thing, I mean, dude, that that literally wears on you until you fucking break and you're like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I'm going to get a real job. I'm going to go fucking work retail because I just can't stand doing this right now. Yeah, dude, you saying that it's so funny. I I, I swore I'd never have a real job again. And then uh, I, I think two years ago, I was like, you know, <laughs> uh, some steady pay and... Uh, just not having to stress about what needs to be done, just getting told what to do sounds kind of nice. Man, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I think we might have to cut <laughs> this part out. No, you're good, man. Um, I, I can I kind of pick it back up. We don't need to cut anything. I'll kind of pick this up right here. It, uh, it's very reassuring when you get people on your island and, and they have an idea, maybe, maybe not an idea of how it should go about, but they – they breathe new they bring new ideas forward to you or they're like hey like you know this guy posted this style of picture posted a swim video and it did really good maybe maybe guys want to see swim but you're just just pulling that out of my ass just whatever it may be you know like i i brought i brought jason carroll some bait reviews on to help me edit the edit the last zine and dude it is um just absolute light year ahead and i will i will give a lot of that credit and Jason will, will not take any of it, but it is because he helped me. Like he went through and he nitpicked all my little errors, all my spelling errors where, you know, I accidentally pressed a too many times and just, he, he's like, Hey, maybe reword this a little bit or, you know, kind of break this sentence up, elaborate, have, have, go have the person elaborate on this question a little bit more or what have you. And it's like, wow. It helps a lot when when you have somebody in your corner who has the same mindset and who has the same beliefs and ideas like for this brainchild as you, but they just bring something a little bit different to the table. They're just looking at it from a different angle. Like that is so fucking helpful. It's crazy. It's it really is. And it's kind of crazy too, like you saying that the mindset is definitely the biggest thing. So like my previous the guy that I was uh with before that he runs the new company. Um, our mindsets just didn't click. Like just our thought processes and everything, like we just didn't click well. And uh it's funny they say, you know, one door closes, another opens and about the time Wow. Sorry. About the time uh about the time that, that went south was about the time that I had met this guy Blake and uh that was 
you know, whenever I started working with him, just never talked about baits, nothing. We just talked about work and just mindset on, you know, success and money and work, like everything. And um, I started to realize, like, I really, like, clicked with his mindset. And he had heard me talking to one of uh, my buddies that we work with. Um, he's also a fisherman. He, I've known him for 10 years. And uh, me and him were talking swim baits and fishing all day at work. And uh, he he happened to, you know, overhear us and stuff. And I was talking about possibly getting back into it and He's like, he heard me talking to my buddy about it. And he's like, man, I kind of want to know more about it. And uh, that's kind of what led to it is like, I knew his mindset was meant for business and meant like just everything we think about, we click on just the thought process behind everything. It works. And uh, man, that's so true. Like one person can truly change, um, you know, where things go. Like you're just not meant to click with some people. And the saying is uh, your network is your net worth and uh, birds of a feather flock together. And uh, I think that's going to be my, my mindset going through all of this. Yeah. I think it's good to have, (laughs) it's good to have those safety bumpers up. Like I'll bounce ideas. Like I have a couple close knit uh, group of friends that, uh, they obviously like don't they don't help me record they don't help me with the zine or anything but they're, they're kind of like they're kind of like the scales and tails of general public like i'll hit them up and be like hey i'm thinking about doing this this is my idea you know this is an idea for an article and they're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. like that makes sense they're like okay well what if you kind of took like looked at it from this point of view or did it like this or had this person write about this and it's just like wow okay like that that's something that i didn't think about and just having somebody to kind of bounce this idea off of look we're we're already off the ground with the idea and that's just that is literally the most helpful thing ever dude having people in your corner that that you can rely on that 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 maybe don't share the same brain waves but they know the common goal and they want to get to the finish line with you yeah dude you you saying all that if i don't know if you read or anything like any books but uh a book i highly highly recommend for just business growth is think and grow rich and in that it talks about um there's a chapter that's on what's called the mastermind group and basically it's a collective group of people that you know you because because one person doesn't have all the ideas you know like it could, it could, it turns into an inspiration of just ideas bouncing off of each other, which leads to such a greater thing. And uh, that's what's being applied there is you have a mastermind group of people who that, you know, you work with and that you bounce those ideas off. And it's great to have that. But I don't know if you've read that book, but I definitely highly recommend it. Dude, there's, <laughs> it's kind of funny you say that because I have gotten like so big into to reading and listening to books, whereas it always had been like podcasts and stuff, which is fine. But like, just furthering my knowledge and like my mindset on on maybe not even necessarily branding, just like thinking in general, just become like kind of more philosophical. This is kind of taking a weird turn, but like there's a couple books like uh How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, Forty Eight Laws of Power, Thinking in New Boxes, Atomic Habits, Twelve Rules of Life, uh, Primal Branding. Uh shit, there's another one that I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. Um uh, I think it's like your next five moves is another really good one. Like there's like a handful of books that I've listened to and it's just like kind of 
widen my grasp on things. And it's also, like I said, it also makes you think of stuff that isn't necessarily in the realm of swim baits. And it's like, well, why, why isn't that? Like, why isn't, why hasn't anybody kind of done a campaigning series of, of videos like, like this company in the shoe market or in the hunting market or, or like you, you see, you know, you see cool boxing, like packaging and shit. And it's like, Oh, like that'd be super sick. If I, if I sold my baits in a package like that, or if I kind of, or even like, dude, like the big thing, like right now that I've been drawing, like a lot of inspiration from, uh, separate from the books is like design work, like just scrolling through on Instagram or on Twitter, or just even Pinterest sometimes. And like, just seeing stuff and it's like whoa like i could definitely implement that into like i could plug that into like what i'm going for as a brand like i don't know man running a business right now there is just so many outlets out there and so many resources to to look at and to read and just you know just to um to to take in it's absolutely ridiculous it's so crazy yeah i Honestly, you say it's weird that we got on this subject, but this is like truly one of my favorite subjects. Like all I talk about in life, if I'm working, I'm talking baits and business while I'm working. And if I'm not working, I'm either listening to a book, listening to a podcast. The only time I ever listen to music is if I'm focused on a job, like if I'm focused on working on something. But yeah, I'm I'm a very big advocate now for mental health and self-growth. Like that's one of my biggest things that I'm focused on now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we can we can talk about something a little controversial. Um, I don't know if you'll you'll want to cut this out or not. Uh, but talking about mental health, for example, um, this this is some completely out of left field. So if you want to cut it out, I get it. All right. <laughs> uh, but magic mushrooms. Um, yeah, have you, like microdosing. Yeah, and and even macro dosing, dude. Um, They've changed my life. Like those are, that's what's got me in the mindset away from what I was, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's gotten me out of that hole. That's what's made me realize like life's okay and everything's cool. And, uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's something you want to keep out of your, no, yeah. yeah, So, so funny enough, um, there's a couple very creative people I talked to and, uh, we were, I was on the phone with one of them a couple of weeks ago. And they were like, wow, dude, like you have just, you are full of ideas and stuff. He's like, have you ever thought of like, you know, just taking like anything, whether it be microdose or, you know, smoke, dude, I'll be honest, straight up. I haven't even smoked weed before 22 years old, never smoked weed or nothing. You know, people probably think that's fucking crazy, but like, that was just never really my outlet. I grew up around it and I never got into it, but he was like, wow, dude, he's like, have you ever thought of, of like micro dosing, you know, like two or three times a week or anything? He's like, I bet you you could come up with some like absolute, like you could just expand on these ideas you have. And not going to say that, like, I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to that sort of thing. Like, I think it's super badass. I've always been intrigued with it, especially like the last two years, but it's like, I don't want to do it. And then, you know, not have not get anything out of it as far as like being beneficial to me. So it's like, well, if, if I ever fall into a slump and I feel like, and I talk to people that maybe have like a relative story, I would think about it. But like for right now, like I'm on such a straight and narrow path as far as like ideas and being able to, um, to, uh, uh, what's the word here? Um, to get that stuff done in like an effective manner and, and figure out how to go about it. It's like, I, 
I think I'm okay with with not trying them yet, or or maybe even ever. Like I don't I don't know. Like if if it ever comes to that point in time where I think it could be beneficial, I would I would totally be down. It's just like I don't want to maybe not necessarily screw myself, but I don't want to take three steps backwards from where I'm at now. I guess. Right. See, and and that's that's like anytime I've ever talked to people about this, like I, I'm very open about it because. I believe in it. Honestly, that's what it comes down to. I just believe in it. And uh, just from personal experience and like I've had this conversation with some people and uh, family even, I've had this conversation with them and I brought it up to them and they were like, I don't care to hear about it. Like as soon as I said something. Yeah. And I, my argument to that is so like you're going to listen to stuff like and that and it's it's just based off the stigma of just it falls in the category of a quote unquote drug. Yeah, And so it's like, it's just gotten a bad stigma, but I don't think that there's anything negative to get from them. If you're, if you go into them with a good intention. Yeah. I think it's dude. I mean, all, I mean, all the big psychedelics you hear about today, a lot of them are for, you know, like veteran mental health, like ayahuasca. I mean, all that stuff, dude, like there's, there's benefits to it in either moderation or when you when you have somebody to talk about like how you need to go about it i i think it's kind of like people just associate it with with you know that like fucking 1970s eating five handfuls and just getting fucked up in your volkswagen bug type thing and it's kind of become that like taboo slash stigma of of being like ah dude like you take you take magic mushrooms like you take psychedelics like that's fucking that's so fucked up, like that sort of thing. And I, it's just, I don't know, I think people are kind of closed-minded. I mean. Very much like, so. <laughs> like you, you look at, you look at weed 10 years ago and then look at it now. It's like, dude, psychedelics, I think are definitely going to be like that at a point in time where it's like, oh, wow. You know, I'm, I'm 90 years old and I had never even thought of, of the medical purposes that this stuff could bring to, to people who need this sort of thing. It's like, oh wow, yeah, like you guys have been putting this off for the last twenty years, talking about how bad it is, and now you know you had a family member that that had a ayahuasca trip, and wow, now look at them, they're they're a billionaire, you know, just just whatever it may be, they're the total opposite of what they used to be for the better, and I I don't know, man, that just like goes with everything, like just be, like literally just being closed minded to anything. People are so closed minded. Guys will post up a bait. And it like like completely out of left field, and guys will be like, "Well, that's fucking stupid. Like that doesn't look like anything." And it's like, okay, well maybe that's the good thing. Like you guys bitch about there being nine hundred and seventy five shad brushtail glides. How do you know this isn't going to be the next brushtail glide? How do you know this isn't going to be the new thing on the market that that propels us forward? Like, dude, I don't know. Like just being closed minded in general, along with anything like in human life. I feel like is such a deterring factor for so many great ideas. And I feel like it's very apparent, like in the swim bait world, especially within like the last year or two guys get shit on for new ideas or for going against the norm. And it just, you know, it fizzles out. Like guys are like, Oh, well fuck. Everybody just dragged me on this post because this looks different, you know? And it's like, well, I'm not going to make one of these ever again. Like nobody wants them. Why would I make them? Yeah, and and back to your your brush tail glide thing. Like, I I agree that like we do, we definitely don't know what the next cool thing would be. I mean, swim baits themselves. Like, I remember my dad like 
whenever I brought them up to him 10 years ago, he laughed at me for the idea. He was like, nothing's going to eat those. Yeah. Now, now if you look in his rod, bo- his rod box every day, you see at least three tied on, you know? And yeah. so it's, 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 you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like it, you never know which next one could be, you know, the great idea. You really don't. Yeah. And I don't know, there just needs to be more trial and error rather than getting shot down before, before this guy even swims, swims the bait or what have you. Like guys are just, and that's just like life in general. Like guys are just so judgmental on new stuff and they draw a stigma to this being new and that looks like nothing else. So that that's not going to work. Like, I right. don't know, man. we're just yeah. in a really weird time, like just for anything, I guess. Yeah, you're either it's it is kind of crazy which direction it could go. It either catches on to the algorithm or it doesn't. <laughs> and I mean, that's just how it seems to go. Like there's some baits that I see nowadays that I'm just like, I hate to say it, but they're goofy looking, some of them, you know, like they sell to the fishermen, but I know a 10 pound bass's eyesight is uh, way greater than what we're giving it credit for, especially in clear water. And uh, some of these baits, I just don't think like some of the makers take that into consideration. Like just, I know, you know, dirty water stuff may not matter. Noise is a big factor, but like the lake that I, I, fish a lot around here whenever you see their behavior in that clear water and you see how they react to sounds and like things i mean i've been fishing at night out, out on this lake and we we're fishing an underwater dock light and you could see the nose of this fish sticking out from under this dock and we pull up to the dock we make a cast and before that bait hits the water you could see the fish charge out of the dock and it exploded on the bait like a topwater. And remind you, this is at like midnight at night. Yeah. It could see that bait in the air at night above that light. Now, great, I mean, it's a light, so it's got some reflection there. But that fish is sitting underneath the dock, the, the float of the dock. And it could see that and it blew up on it like it tracked it in the air and hit it as soon as it hit the water. And it was like a seven and a half pounder. Damn, dude! I know exactly what what dock light you're talking about. I think if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, um, but yet yeah, I will. I'll also add on to this, and this is just this is comparing our two experiences, 1,200 miles apart. Um, I will say our fish up here, especially Lake Michigan fish, being probably, and this is this we can kind of go into the fishing side of stuff now. Being um, whereas these fish have you know, outside of me before, you know, five or six years ago. And granted, I'm sure there's probably other guys doing it, but to my knowledge, these fish seeing glide baits and crank downs and stuff for the first time in 20, 30 foot visibility of water, these fish would lose their mind. They didn't care if they saw you standing on that pier head or standing on that floating dock. They saw this fucking bait and they were going to kill this thing. And, um, I got away with with a really crazy bite of of fishing a big glide bait, and I had I had Phil from Phil's Tackle Box come out um, a couple years ago, and like I'd always told him like, dude, these I never got it on video, but I'm like, dude, these fish only eat this bait one way. Like this this is why I'm so conditioned with fishing glide baits super fast now. And he's like, no, dude, like they they'll eat a paperweight fishing it slow. Like they've got to. They eat them everywhere. They they kill it at home. I'm like all right, dude, he was up here for three weeks or three weeks, he was up here for three or four days, 
fished out there every single morning and most afternoons, and he he was not getting bit with this with this paperweight fishing it slow. And he finally ties on the taxi trout and he fucking mimics the way I was fishing, you know, super fast. It's nosing up out of the water. It's just, just, it looks like absolute dog shit. And, you know, he does that for 10 minutes and he misses one. And then a couple casts later, he lands like a four and a half, five. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that works. He's like, why does it work? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like our fish up here are just so charged up. And I, and I think it, it kind of has to do with our seasons of, these fish see a big meal and they don't know what it is, but they know that it's going to feed them and they're, they want to kill that thing because it, uh, all right, we lost Ryan for a second, but we're back. So, uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to cut this part out at, but so, um, Phil was up here, we were fishing, he was fishing the paperweight super slow and I showed him that you had to fish, um, fish very aggressive if you wanted these Lake Michigan fish to come up and eat and he didn't believe me and he finally kind of started to implement it. And he caught a fish, and he's like, wow, why does this work? You know, we're talking 20, 30-foot visibility. And, uh, I, dude, I honestly think our fish are just very aggressive here because the short growing seasons, like, they see a big meal, and they're like, man, I should eat that because I can. And in four months, there's going to be three inches of ice on top of us, and I'm not going to want to move out of this fucking log or out of this rock pile. And, dude, I don't know. Like, we've got very respectable fish, like, respectable fish as far as like northern strain and and being on lake michigan and dude i don't know what it is but i just think northern fish are way more aggressive than southern fish and and people say it all the time and i take no offense to it that northern fish it's way easier to get northern fish to bite i think that's probably 100 percent true and i i honestly think it's because they've got such a short amount of time to to bulk up and, and fucking feed before winter hits See, and I've I've heard people say that before that uh, they're way more aggressive up there, and I that makes total sense. I mean, it's kind of like us; like we know that it's about to be cold outside. That's why we love summer so much, you know. Take advantage of the time of year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think I heard you telling that story to. Uh, I think it was like a podcast with Marshall. You were yeah, talking probably. about the fishing it like that. Yeah, man, it's, I don't know. And that's just like our fish respond to, and we, we can talk about this too. Like, dude, honestly, the catchphrase for any bait that you fish like up here could literally just be add water. Because if you cast it and you put it in front of a fish that wants to eat or even just entices a fish, there's a good chance that fish is going to come up and eat that bait. Like, it's... <clears throat> Dude, yeah, I, I was catching fish on the Hinkle trout. I was catching two, three pound fish on the Hinkle trout. Like these fish are full of piss and vinegar, and they just want to smash whatever the hell they can they can eat. It's just it's wicked. See, and it it used to be kind of like that down here on this lake, my home lake. But uh, the more, I mean, that was I don't know. The swim bait frenzy is really starting to pick up around here, but. Uh, Five, six years ago, whenever we first started throwing them, like, it was such a different ball game of what, the way the fish behave. Like, you had way less followers, way more, you know, eaters. And nowadays, it's like you have way more followers than you do eaters. And so it, they still at least show you the fish, but uh, they've gotten a lot more. They've learned on them, that's for sure. Yeah, dude. And, so, so like speaking on the subject of that, uh, like one thing that I've tested before 
And um, it's something that I've kind of started implementing um, as far as me, just whenever the water is really clear. It's suppressors, like in the joint. Mm, yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I've even, whenever I've, like, whenever I test all this stuff, like, I've I've jumped in a pool. Because I, I had nobody to help me with this at the time. <laughs> so I literally, I jumped in my mom's pool, and uh, I held my rod above my head, and I went underwater, and I casted my glide bait across the pool. And I worked it back to me while I was underwater, just so I could hear the sound like how it sounded like it resonated yeah i know i was in a concrete pool so it's going to resonate louder but it still showed me what those fish are hearing and feeling and uh i i truly believe in that clear water if you add suppressors or if you find a way to get the hooks to uh not clack so loud even uh because i even think that's a factor because i mean if if you see a shad or hear a shad underwater it's silent like there might be a slight vibration in the water from it kicking but whenever it comes to those you know 10 11 12 you know 15 plus pound fish those are some of the things that i think really matter like if you take a depths 250 into consideration it's it's joint silent and those hooks whenever they hit the bait they're silent because of that rubber casing that it has on it and then it has the it has a spring with the ball on it in the bait so that whenever it clacks it makes like a it's like, boom, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do think it's those little things that matter. I mean, I think that's why Adepts 250 catches so many big fish is because it's a silent bait. I really do. And I'll go off of that and say, um, I've, I've talked about this before, I think, pretty recently. Are you familiar with the, uh, the, the Shutterfall 250s? Um, No, I don't think I am. There's a... I, I don't think there's many drop there. There's like a whole shit ton out there. It's obviously not nearly as, as readily available as the normal silent ones, but there's a, a ball bearing in the, um, in the, you know, in the uh, chest region and it rocks back and forth. And so when you, when you're fishing this bait, it's kind of, it, I'm not going to say it knocks cause I don't know if it does, but there's definitely a ball bearing in there. And then when you stop it, it it shudders or, or shimmies like a Sanko on the fall. So it's kind of got like a slight body roll on the fall. And I've, I've never owned an actual 250. I've only ever owned shutter falls on, on complete accident, all of them. And I've caught a lot of fish with that thing. Like, and I, I, I wonder like, would I catch more if I had a, a normal 250 or would I catch less because it doesn't have that secondary action when you, when you hit it really hard with a real chop and let it sit there and blow out to a side, like, cause it would just sink and not have a shimmy to it, dude. It's like, there's so many like variables, whether it's super big or on a minute scale, as far as like adding bumpers or putting actual scales on or just painting a stencil on cause it moves the water differently. Like, Dude, there, you could literally, I would say, drive yourself crazy trying to create a big fish bait because I don't think you would ever be content with with what you come up with or what you mod to a bait. I, I, think, uh, I think Matt Lures is about as, you know, realistic of a big fish bait as you can get. Like he's he's probably who I look up to the most as far as like quality looks. Just what is going to catch a big fish, in my opinion. Just because whenever it comes to that clear water, you have to be as real as possible if you're going to get those teeners to eat. 
Yeah, I will say uh, Matt and and definitely uh, Clayton are the two that that come to my mind. Like, dude, you fucking you you grab one of those fly gills and put it in a fucking cooler with twenty four other gills. Post a picture on Facebook on some random pan fishing page. Nobody would say anything about one of those fuckers being fake and having hooks on it and not being a real fish. Like, that, oh yeah, that shit is realistic. Yeah, those yeah, dude, their their stuff is top tier. Like. If I wasn't a bait maker, that's who I'd be throwing is their stuff for sure. But, you know, it's being a bait maker myself, it's nothing against them. I love their stuff, mad respect to them. They're who I looked up to and who I was inspired by whenever I got into it. But it's like, as a maker, you just can't bring yourself to throw somebody else's stuff. Because in the back of your head, you're just thinking, would that fish have ate my bait? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever. I mean, that's that's got to be the biggest thing about it. Like, I, I don't think I've thrown anybody else's swim bait in I don't know how long. And it's it's nothing against them. It's just there's something to catching something on your work. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely the top dogs in the game, I think, as far as, like, looks go. Yeah, dude, it, I definitely understand um, the competitive aspect of – of just wanting to fish the absolute snot out of your stuff. And then, you know, you probably come to a point in time where it's like, you know, like, shit, dude, I, I wish I had a 12-inch trout imitator. You know, Lake just got stocked two weeks ago. Like, fuck, I don't have time. Like, I either am going to, I either have time to fish this week or I have time to go make a trout bait that I won't get to fish until next year. Or do I just, you know, break down and, and fish a hinkle or a sly guy trout or a hoog or a mother, you know, what have you. And that's like where I, dude, I, I like, <laughs> and obviously it's probably the same. Like I like fishing too much. I'd be like, fuck it, dude. Like I'm just going to fish somebody else's bait. I don't give a shit. I just want to fish today. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I, <laughs> I'm still pretty dang stubborn. Like, I'll I'll literally like if I want something I'll go carve it up in just a couple weeks if I need to. Probably like a pride aspect to it where it's like there is it's yeah like, that's the biggest thing about it. It just I, feels better. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I understand that completely. Where it's like fuck, dude, like I want to catch something on stuff that I made because I made it and I know that it catches fish, so I need to go out and catch fish with it, and it's probably. It probably comes to like a mental game too, where it's like, fuck, dude, like I need to catch stuff on my bait so I can post about it, you know? Yeah, that's another thing too, is just it's like getting fish pictures to post. Like it's just good for marketing too. But if if you make a bait that kind of targets every part of the water column and generally goes for everything, then that's kind of my thought behind it. Like I, I just, I target, like I want to have, you know, some soft baits that get deeper for whenever, obviously they're not eating a glide or if they're chasing bait on top, have the top water, just a variety of things to choose. Yeah. And this, this kind of segue us into this question. When, when, and now, even when, when you have, when you're out on the lake and, and, or when you get to go out on the lake or when you're in the shop, you know, sanding down baits or pouring baits, are you thinking like, what situations do I not have covered and how can I design a bait to cover all those bases for said? Uh, yeah. I mean, every, every bait that I design, like it's designed with the thought of like, 
at some point I'm fishing and I realize I need something for that. And then that's whenever something comes from that. Like the eight inch glide was designed because uh, I did my research on my home lake and seen what kind of like studies they had figured out about the lake and what the average size gizzard chad and the average size gizzard chad was eight inches. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to make an, make an eight inch gizzard glide. Yeah. And then uh, one day I was out there at the lake and I was throwing, you know, I was throwing that bait and I was watching big fish just destroying three to five inch shad. But they would not, I mean, I would hit them on the head and they just would not touch the eight inch bait. And it was just because they were so keyed in on that tiny bait. And then thus the Hellion Glide was born. And then that's whenever it, the idea for it was made was because I was pissed that I was at the lake and I couldn't get these fish to eat. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make something for you. And then I made it, and then I went out there and smashed them on it. And I was like, yep, that's the bait. And that's, that's just, yeah, that's kind of how every, every bait starts, though. What's, I, I honestly forgot that you had a crappie bait until you'd said something earlier in the episode. What was the, uh, what was the thoughts behind that? Because that crappie bait, dude, like, you have that thing pegged, like, fucking like taxidermist work like the the angle of the mouth going up into the forehead and into the back like that is a very um realistic shape for a crappie like downright perfect i would say yeah i uh the way that i do my masters is i i'll um i mean it's not it's not a huge secret i learned this through watching youtube videos um I would just find the fish that I want online that has like a good outline, just even if it's just like a drawing of it. And uh, I'd size it to the size that I wanted in Microsoft Word or whatever it was. And I'd print it and then I'd cut it out, glue it to a, a piece of wood. And then I'd cut it out with a bandsaw. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of how I'd keep my general shape. And, uh, but yeah, crappie are a little tricky. Um, I definitely want to redo that one, though. I think I made the bait a little too wide. It's kind of bulky. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just know Phil got one uh, at the second gathering, I think, when you did that collab color. Maybe yeah, was yeah, there was a re- there's a readier one. Yeah, I just remember that bait. Like After, after you said it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot about that bait. That, yeah, that's like a super, super realistic bait. When and what was the what was the draw to that? Like, did you see bass chasing around crappie on on dock dock lights, or was it just because like, oh, there's not any crappie baits out there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of mess around and make one for the first time? Yeah, there wasn't any crappie baits out at the time. Like KGB didn't even make his yet, I don't think. And so um, I was just like, well, I want to make that because you just. There's so many stories of people fighting in a crappie and the bass eats it or like, you know, they like this time of year here in Texas, they they'll get on the brush piles. Well, on the brush piles, they're sharing them with crappie. Yeah. And like, I mean, my dad, he's a guide, you know, and so like there's times there's stories out here where they're crappie fishing and they catch a nine pound bass while they were crappie fishing, you know, yeah. and those, so those bass are down there eating those crappies. So I think it'd be a good live scope bait. I do want to redo it and make it a smaller bait because I think it's too big. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, that was the theory behind it is it's just that like this time of year right now, I think is a good time to be scoping with it. 
I mean, shit, man. Crappie fishing down there is just massive. For anybody who doesn't know, Josh Jones actually had Josh Jones got big into the crappie fishing. Like that's how he got, you know, well known. He's got he's even got a Dobbins crappie rod line named after him. That's a little fun fact for anybody who doesn't know. And I mean, yeah, like you hear guys, you know, fishing with their twelve foot, fourteen foot rods, you know, on two pound line and they hook in, they hook into a big ass bass. I mean, how many pictures do you see scrolling through and you see old guys, you know, holding holding a six pound bass at a 45 degree angle that they caught on a hot pink, you know, uh, crappie jig with, with some tinsel <laughs> on it. Like that, that's not uncommon to see at all. No. Or even if you're fighting one of those crappie in and all of a sudden it just gets heavier. Yeah. Yeah. I, it just walks down. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I think what it was for me is I was watching, uh, there's a video of Greg Hackney. He's crappie fishing and he, he hooks a crappie and then it tur- like a bass eats it and it ends up being like a 10 pound bass. And I was just like, all right, I could learn something from that. Right. Yeah. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and then, uh, I think Lake Fork guy, um, he posted a video, him and his wife were fishing or something. I think his wife hooked into a crappie and a big bass ate it. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's that's something. There's something to that for sure. And I mean, hell, even Butch Brown, he's got a crappie bait that I've seen pictures of, you know, that a soft one that he's made. Yeah, dude. Have uh, have you read um, In Pursuit of Giant Bass by Bill Murphy? Uh, I've read about a quarter of it. I have it. I just haven't completely gone through it. He talked like he when he talks about like fishing deep, um, deep structure, like, uh, log jams and in stumps and stuff like that, like dude, being able to drag around a soft bait around that shit, you know, whether it's, you know, 10, 12 feet off the initial thing where those big bass are just kind of sitting. Cause they're, they're by deep water, but they're also by ambush points and stuff. Dude, I bet you, you could put together a bag fishing, fishing a soft crappie bait around areas like that like just absolutely have phenomenal days where probably if you have live scope maybe they're not reacting on cranking down tks and k9s and and big crank downs past them or sinking down glides where they just want to see a little crappie bait jumping around on bottom that they can just turn around eat and fucking just post back up by the deep water like man dude that could be lights out yeah oh yeah it could be nuts and I honestly, like, I think there's something to, like, have you ever thrown the, um, the Savage Gear line through the, the, the trout and the shad that they have? I have not, no. Man, I'll be honest. I think, I think there's something to those. Just like, just because I've only thrown, I've thrown the trout quite a bit out here. And I've, yeah, the trout I've thrown a lot and I fish it like a dead twitch where you just throw it out there and just work it slow. But mm-hmm. I kind of, I, there's something to that, uh, but making set and it, the reason being is because of the action of the bait. Like if you see them swim and you compare it to a real shad in the water, I mean it's pretty identical. They're just extremely fluid. They're dead silent. They're soft, so you know the fish hits it. It's not gonna question that it's real or not, or it's mm-hmm. way less likely to, anyways. You know. Yeah. But I, I think something along those lines is going to be the next kind of revolutionary bait. Yeah, I will say um, Buka just uh, Buka and Catchco just came out with those soft baby gills. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't know if you saw those. I bet you those will be maybe not necessarily the hot thing. And probably, I mean, realistically, if Ketchko's making it, it'll probably get overlooked by some swim bait guys, even if it does have Buka's name on it. But I bet you that just catches some big-ass fish whenever that drops, whether, I don't know if they're out yet now, but I bet you people catch some serious fish on, like, some some really heavy, grassy golf course ponds and just, like, just anywhere, dude. I feel like that is probably a hell of a design. Yeah, actually, I did see the – I saw the Shad one. I didn't see the, the Gill one, but his Shad one, yeah. it's I saw that. That's a great design. Maybe we're talking about the same thing. Maybe I'm just not – maybe I thought it was a Blue Gill, but it's a Shad. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I mean, I know I know that he's got the Gill design with him, so it wouldn't surprise me. And if he doesn't – if he hadn't already posted, I'm sure it's going to come out at some point. I mean, who knows? Yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. And and that's like that's like the thing. Like Mike can kind of Mike can kind of tinker around and do his own thing because he has a super established brand and he has people in his corner that that are helping him out. He has employees and stuff like that where where he can, you know, he can make like the trick shatter. He can work on collabs and stuff like that. And that's just going back to like realistically, man, being a one-man crew it doesn't work out. I mean, I'm sorry to, uh, it doesn't work out in the long run of things. The, the wheels fall off historically from everybody who, who tries to do a one crew thing. I feel like. Yeah. There's just, I don't think, I mean, you're there's, you can do it. There's just a cap to it. Like you can do it for 20 years, 30 years, but there's just a cap to it. I think like as far as revenue goes, like you can't, you can't scale. Of course, that's the difference. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be stuck to, you know, 50, 60 baits a month, and it's going to take you two years to carve a new bait like and test a new bait and shit like that. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's literally just killing. I, I feel like it's just like working, working and killing yourself over trying to sustain it with a one person show, whether, you know, because you don't want to hire anybody on or what have you. It ju- It just makes so much sense to to grow like when when you're able to and when it's permitting to grow because it's never going to be a bad thing you know yeah yeah i mean i know my goal is to grow and scale i mean there's there's three of us on this team as of right now and i know that our production's already flowing pretty good that's so awesome man and we can kind of touch on that a little bit if uh if that's something you want to talk about yeah, definitely. I mean, whatever you want to know, I'm down to talk about. Yeah, so so you um you've obviously elaborated on it. Um this new business venture uh of of bait building under a new name and stuff. What's the what's the name of of the new company? New company is uh High Grade Fishing. We'll be going we'll probably just go by HG Fishing just for simplicity, but High Grade just cuz that's what we want to be seen as is high grade equipment, high grade gear, high grade baits yada yada (laughs) hell yeah man and then um you you've been posting on your per i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty sure it was your personal page on instagram um that that i mean dude you've already got like a walking bait and um it's caught some fish i guess we'll just we'll just keep it at that we won't we don't have to elaborate on that if you don't want to but it's caught fish very respectable fish and uh I mean, dude, like the paint, the design, it looks, it looks fucking clean, dude. I will say that it looks, it looks damn good. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's it caught my new PB uh, back in early April. It caught that day. We had a forty pound bag, and we had a ten fifty six on it and an eight. And uh, yeah, that was my new PB. And from that point, I was like, all right, this one's going to do some. And uh, that was just on the prototype version of the bait. That's not even the more modified, better version of it. You know? Yeah. Damn, dude. <clears throat> and so. I mean, you caught two very, very nice fish on, on this walking bait. I don't know if we said it was a walking bait, but it's a walking bait. And do you already have a name and stuff picked out for that yet, by chance? Yeah, I think we settled on the Strider for it just because it makes some long strides across the top, and it seemed fitting, so the Strider. I mean, I don't think anybody else has that name. Uh, and if somebody else does, I guess say something. But, uh, yeah, we're going with the Strider. Yeah, I I think you guys are good. I don't that doesn't, you know, tip off in my in my brain library here of names. And so it's going to have that like super big kind of walk the dog spook style top water walk on top obviously. I don't know why I just said that. That's going to sound fucking stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get I mean it gets a good 2 feet out there on a good walk. Like you let it stride out there, it'll go. Damn, dude. So are you fishing this with a solid rod in mono or fluoro and a little bit stiffer rod or even braid in a little bit or braid in a little bit softer rod or kind of what's the setup that, that you're using that you've kind of personally like with it? Uh, right now I've only been throwing it on a shorter, more stouter rod, but throwing straight braid just so on long cast I can get that pop. But I, I think it all just comes down to personal preference whenever it comes yeah. to that. Yeah, I think so too. And dude, like honestly, straight braid, you can't, I mean, notoriously, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Notoriously walking baits, especially in that general shape, they're a fucking bullet, dude. They will spool your ass with a full spool of line if you get a good cast in there. And Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, dude. when a fish eats on a 70, 80 yard cast, I... I don't want any stretch in my line, man. I want to make sure that that fish is pinned. And that's why I always fished. I, I've always fished braid notoriously up until the last year. Because when I want to set the hook, dude, I want to set it now. I don't want to set it and have to pull five yards of stretch to set that hook. Like, I want I want to drive those hooks now. And so I kind of feel like braid, braid with walking baits, I feel like is definitely a no-brainer for most guys. I, I could be wrong. That's just my personal thoughts on that. No, I, I I think you're right. I think that's what the majority of people like to throw them on. They're definitely easier. Uh, I mean, you could throw them on fluoro too, but the only problem with fluoro is it sinks, you know? And mono, yeah. like you said, it's got that stretch. So if you get one on a long cast, you better you better start grinding that sucker in. And give it the beans. Reel, reel down to it like it's a soft bait and then reel down more. Yeah. And then give it the beans and then have your drag down all the way so that fish doesn't get to fight at all. Yeah, you might as well be throwing a football head jig in 40 foot of water. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, the, you got the walking bait, the strider. Is there anything else that you guys are working on that is maybe coming down the chute, whether, whether soon or not, you know, within the next couple months to a year that you're working on that you, that you feel comfortable talking about? Uh, yeah, so we have our eight inch glide that we're working on, um, haven't settled completely on a name for it, but it's, you know, 
I can't call it the instigator no more because that one was kind of stolen. But it's the 8-inch. It's the revamped version of that bait, completely remodeled and new face, new new design. Uh, More things taken into consideration about the bait that make it better than the previous model. So, like, one thing, for example, is the bait. The bait, like the the uh, instigator, for example, it was taller, and um, like if you compare it to like the bullshad glide, uh, it's not as tall. And I think what that changes is your hookup ratio. And so I felt like the eight inch shad lost, like you would lose fish on it. It was kind of fifty fifty. I feel like, and I think that had to do with the height of the bait. And so like this new remodeled version is not going to be as tall. And uh, that's what that's going to help with. We added scales to it. Um, it's no longer na- going to have a top fin, which should also help with some hookup ratio. Um, and then the face is redone to match realism a little bit better. Hell yeah, dude. That's that's freaking awesome. And when you started carving this one, did you already have ideas of what you wanted to refine from from the last shad bait you had made? Oh yeah, every every design that like is a remade design has like you know you you design a bait and you're like yes this is it I love it and then you know like it no bait is perfect there's something that you want to change about every single one of them and so it's like and fishability is the biggest thing like making it just a better bait overall I'm not worried about looks so much because I don't I think that stuff sells to the fishermen more than anything mm-hmm. um, I think it's the profile that really sells to the fish more than anything. Um, man, my mind just went blank. What was the question again? Oh, you're good. I was just asking, like, if you, if you knew what you wanted to change before you even started carving, like, if you had ideas, like, oh, the instigator did this okay, but I wanted to do this better now, or I want it to look like this a little bit different this time around. Yeah, and the the hookup ratio is the biggest thing. I just wanted to change the height of the bait because I felt like it was too tall. Yeah, the age-old question. Um, are you going to be offering this in a shad, shad, or in a shad? Are you going to be offering this in a in a brush tail version, or is it going to be is it going to be the old silicone tail, silicone rubber, whatever you want to call it? No, it's going to be. So, I mean, I feel like the brush tail thing is just a trend. Um, I think I don't think it's any better or worse than a rubber tail. I'd argue that any day of the week. Um. And I know I have a buddy who throws a really popular um, brush tail glide bait that's out there. And his biggest complaint, and I literally watched him lose an eight pounder at the boat because of it, is his hooks get caught in the tail. Mm. And that's one of the biggest things about that bait. And that was his very first time throwing the bait. And I mean, it was it was pretty frequently throughout the day that he was having to pull that back hook out of the tail. And uh there was we were fishing this point and a striper and a bass had come up on the same cast and the bass came up underneath the striper and ate it right at the boat i mean it t-boned it like it had it sideways in its face and just completely missed the fish and he, he pulls it up and sure enough the hook's hanging through the tail and uh so it's like that i that's avoidable just by you know hook location but um I, I think it's just a trend thing. I don't think that it matters all that much. It it might to some, but I don't think it's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, I've heard the the argument that it has a secondary um, action to it, like when it's sitting there, and if if there's slight current or if a fish. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of who told me this, but they talk about how like fish will gulp air to kind of blow at stuff, and they, they were they were telling me how they think that it helps with that because if if they you know push water onto a brush tail, it kind of the tail kind of has that like flicker, I guess. I don't know, man. To each their own. I don't have any preference with it. I just think that it makes for a good meme every Friday. Yeah, me my my only argument to that would be uh if a fish is getting close enough to try to figure out if the tail's real, I'm pretty sure at that point it's already figured out that the body's resin. Cause it's hurt it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just how I kind of see it. Like I, I don't the only time I've ever had a bass completely come up and like just nose up to a hard bait was I dropped a hellion in a slip. And the only time this is this is the only time that they would look at it is if I could drop it in there and just not move it. Like literally just let it and I made this one to where it just pretty much suspended. Mm-hmm. And so just sit, sit there in their face. And that was the only way I could get them to actually go up to it. But as soon as I would twitch that bait and they heard that joint go click, they would dart off. They were gone. So Hmm. it's like, in my opinion, if you're thinking about it that deep, you got to take other things into consideration. Because if that fish is getting that close to figure out if the tail's real, it should already know that the body's not real. Yeah. Damn, that's interesting. And... Do you think, I don't know, I'm going to go with that. I don't know what I was going to say with that. Uh, do you have preference on hardware that, that, that these baits are going to come with? Like, do you have hooks that, that you believe in work best for, for baits that you're going to sell? Or is it just kind of, you know, whatever hooks your Bass Pro has in stock? Or are you even going to sell them with hooks? I know guys, builders sometimes now are not even selling them with hardware just because they know they're going to get changed out, but the problem is, is like that bait's tuned with a certain hook. So if you don't tell people what hooks they're tuned with, they're sending with a certain hook. It kind of gets fucky, and it definitely gets lost in translation with that too. Yeah, the um, I mean, generally we're going to send them all with hooks for sure, and they won't be cheap hooks. Like we use um, Mustad triple grips for the most part, and reason being is just because it goes back to my theory of like realism. And it's just because it's a short shank hook, it's closer to the bait. And uh it's got the same like hook width. So your you know, your diameter of like where your hook points are is just the same as it is if it's a lower hanging hook. Um and they it's a I think it's a two X uh sturdiness and you know, I use those and um I know people use those on like fourteen inch baits like Moby. So mm-hmm. It's it's just my personal preference. I think that's what a lot of that comes down to. But we're going to be sending all of them with Mustad triple grips. And uh, if we change that at any point, we'll announce it or put some kind of sticker on the box or something. Yeah. And do you have you started to to mold the um the the glide or is this still something that you're carving and still working on? Uh, it's about a. W- I would say we're two weeks from producing it, so about the time this pod comes out. Okay, yeah, that's right. You said that. And then, 
Oh crap! What was I gonna say? Uh, after that, do you have any plans to to make that smaller six inch one, or maybe pick up the the crappie or the bluegill glide, or maybe just kind of before you start to endeavor, you know, kind of get the team familiar with pouring and, and sanding and stuff, and then once they're good to go, you'll kind of start to be a little bit of a mad scientist behind the curtain a little bit more. Uh, we're kind of rocking already, man. Like they already kind of got all the production and stuff down. Um. Yeah, it, that's that's a real like that's like the shitty part of that situation. Like being able to determine who did the work, you know, whether you know, maybe down the road um that person comes out with with some glide bait off the wall and maybe you know, just hypothetically it doesn't swim good or you know, you know whatever it may be, maybe it's super good or maybe it's super bad. And no matter what guys are going to think that it's his or or on the other end of the or the other side of things they're going to be like oh well ryan left him with all those masters so this must have been a bait he did like oh it swims like shit or like i like i said or it swims really good so like but but then the problem is like if it swims really good then people are going to be like oh well well that guy's bait is really good and and then you like you said you kind of get brushed under the rug because nobody knows that it was yours or maybe they do and it's it's bad or just whatever dude like that's that's a really he said she said that's mine no it's mine type situation which is really shitty right and the only people who are really going to know the truth that it are people who've been around long enough to know like you like or marshall you know like that y'all y'all have known that i was the one who designed all these models that he's selling now and I, the way that I look at it is uh, I'm just going to make kind of a joke about it because it's like, it's funny to me. He's just selling my prototypes. That's all he's doing. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's just selling all the baits that I learned from, you know, like it just leaves me with the opportunity to start fresh and make better. And I feel like this is, this is a big thing because this is like relative to a lot is you know, if somebody was to come out with a bait that you had made, there's a good possibility that you'd be able to tell. Because, you know, whether or not people want to believe it, everybody's got their own style of carving. You know, all the Caesars baits, all the toxic baits are all kind of that like rounded off edges, that super bulky profile. You know, all of Kyle from Throwbacks baits all have, you know, for some reason, when you see a bait, you can be like, oh, that's a throwback bait, or oh, that's a bullshat or a KGB or a Piz. And obviously, I'm saying this, and you guys are probably rolling your eyes like, yeah, no shit. But like, you can tell one of Vic's uh, fish everything bait because it just has the style of all of his other baits. Like, for some reason, all of a bait of one guy's stuff looks the exact same, whether it's a crank down, a glide, a wake bait. Like, they just have a certain style of presenting a bait and like making it look and facial expressions and stuff like that. And so that's where I feel like if somebody was to come out with a bait that you had made a master for, I think it would be very clear because they're like, oh, wow, that looks like the other three baits that that Ryan made for sure. And so I, I don't know like that. It's just it's a very weird thing. I feel like that it would. I feel like it'd probably be hard to take credit for if people had an idea that you were the one to make the baits before. So I don't know, man. It's, it's just super weird. Like people who know definitely would know, but the people who didn't would have no idea, I guess. 
And I guess my my thought too is like, you know, he he made a comment that he said, "You think you're the only person who can design masters?" And I said, "Let's be honest. The only ones that you're going to design are going to be three D derivatives of the ones that I designed myself." Because I've seen what he's tried to carve, and he can't. Mm-hmm. So it's like he kind of screwed himself, I feel like, which, you know, worked out for me. But, like, I feel like he could have screwed himself. And, I mean, hey, if he figures it out, get on him. But now he's got to figure out completely how to design something new, figure out how it works. Because everything he's been taught has not been through experience. It's through my experience that he's learned how to do what he does. So it's like he's going to have to go through all this trial and error that he got to avoid the first year, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's only been in this a year and that's it. Like, so it's good luck to him, you know, but I told you I was coming back. And, uh, and, and that goes, that goes full circle back to how I brought that up earlier, where there's a lot more to being a bait builder than selling baits or painting baits or pouring, carving, sand sanding you know swim testing like you can't just be one of those things you have to be you and your team have to make up that full circle of talent that derives to that one instagram page that everybody sees and presses on and it's like oh look you know this is xyz bait company they don't they don't see all the backlog of stuff and like i said dude if you're missing a part of that you have to become efficient in it or you have to just practice and, and get decent enough that your process isn't fucked up and that you can continue the process. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing too. And is and it, you have to grow. Like you can't just do the same thing over and over again and expect things to grow. And that's where I'm interested to see, you know, what he's going to do next because <laughs> – I don't see what could what could happen because he's got to figure it out, and I we're already. I mean, we'll be caught up in no time, and then surpassing him, and even shorter. Yeah, man, it's it's gonna be it'll be very fun and interesting to watch you grow. And you know, I'm sure you guys know this that there's you know definitely gonna be old old mud that's get that gets slung. And, you know, how you respond to that is whatever, but I think it'll probably be, you know, once guys take a chance and they post about a good experience, there's still going to be naysayers, but there's also going to be the people that are on the edge. You're like, okay, well, you know, well, if his, if his top, if the, uh, if the strider is only, you know, 60 bucks, I'll just, I'll just send it to him. Like it's, it's only 60 bucks. And they get their bait in a week or a week and a half, however long it takes to ship to them. They're like, oh, wow, like this was a lot better than the last time. Like I'm going to post about it. And then when that snowball kind of rolls in and people are like, oh, this this isn't like last time. Like, you know, it's it's better. And like yeah. you're always, always, always going to have the people that stick with that first judgment of, oh, well, you know, my my brother's sister's cousin boyfriend's auntie ordered a bait and she didn't get that thing for for 16 months you know and yeah you're just gonna have people that hold out on it because whether they whether they hold a grudge or maybe they're nervous to take that chance or whatever have you that that's just always gonna happen i feel like if if you kind of have a rough patch in in your business 
life, I guess, or business lifespan, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, another. I, I we're totally anticipating that happening um, because I know that there's going to be people who try to bring up old shit and say that he's going to do the same thing. He's going to take forever, and then he's going to lie about like whenever they're going to ship. And I, I, I don't blame why people would feel that way. I mean, like until you show them, you know, then they're not they're not going to think any different. And I mean, they're like we like. We already have so many of these already sold, and so like those are going to be a good example for us to get out there because then people are going to see how quick they're already getting them. And also, people need to realize too, it's not just me in this anymore. I have two business partners who are just as enveloped in this as you know as I am. I mean, you know, and then whenever my roommate gets off of his job, he's putting in the same time with us. And so it's like it's we're it's no longer just me anymore. Like I mean. I understand people are going to have their grudges against me and stuff and people are going to talk shit and it is what it is. And like, I'm sorry for, you know, the past and how I handled shit. I just, I'm in such a different mind space now or headspace now and mindset and where things are going to go. It's, it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be different, but I'm just going to let actions speak louder than words because I'm a firm believer in that. And so like I know people are gonna judge, and there's gonna be naysayers, and people are saying, "Don't gonna say don't buy from this company because they fucked people over two years ago." Well, how about the story of the guy who did get his shit together? We're gonna be that. That's that's who this is gonna be. And so I, I'm ready to face all those adversities, honestly, because it's just a chance to overcome and change people's opinions of me. Yeah, and I think once you post about it and and it kind of gets word around that you that it's not a one-man crew and 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 um people hear this and hear that like the guys you have involved are are doing their own thing especially on a business scale it's probably going to be like oh okay so like this guy you know nothing against you but this guy knows like this guy runs a business like he must have an idea of how to keep Ryan, you know, on the straight or narrow or just help be able to help him or take some weight off of his shoulders. So, you know, if something is to happen, it won't be catastrophic, you know, like the last time or just what have you, like, like I said, it, dude, it helps when you have other people on the team. And I feel like when guys learn that their opinion changes a little bit, they realize that it's not just you out there. And it probably gives a sense of hope that it's like, okay, like there's two guys. There's no way, you know, making a joke. There's no way that that, that three of them, that one of the three is not going to make it to the post office this week. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, for real. Like, what are they going to do? Destroy them because of me? Like, I, like I said, there's going to be the naysayers. Just give us a chance to like show you, you know, I mean, there's going to be people who stay silent and, they won't say nothing and then as soon as like one thing happens to go wrong one Jim Bob doesn't get his bait for a week because there's an error with USPS and you know they're going to be like they're going to try the hashtag me too (laughs) you know they're going to get they're going to try to do it but yeah we're 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 never doing pre-orders though like that that's never going to be a thing either Mm -hmm. like that was the biggest issue before and that's that's not even ever going to be an option. Like we already have inventory in the, in the works at this point. Hell yeah, dude! And and like it, it's like the it's like the guilty by association. Like oh, 
this guy, this guy runs runs with Ryan. I bet you, you know, I bet you he's just as bad as him. And then you got you guys make a post that's like, oh, welcome to the, or introducing the team, and it's like, oh, you know, X Y Z owns a pipe fitting company. And guys, like, oh shit, well, I bet you this guy probably has his shit together. Like maybe maybe I will order a bait, you know, just just as a test run to see, like that sort of thing. Right. No, and see, that's what I'm saying. His, the business, like, I'm just a pipe fitter for the company, like it's not a little business it's oh, not shit. like it's 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 a it's a um it's a i would say i would consider it a high value business it's in construction though like we build on uh distilleries we help build um like you ever you know like those new pubs that are showing up where like you can go to the breweries where the beer is made like in house and you can get pizza and stuff yeah yeah with the big tanks and shit behind them like the brewery yeah we're 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 building and putting together like all the pipes that connect all that and stuff. That's like what we do. Oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's it's a little you know three person lawn care company. It's like it's like some actual shit. Like it's it's a scaling business is what it is. It's growing too, and it's but like I said, it's 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 not it's not going to be little. It doesn't sound like hell yeah, dude. That's that's so freaking awesome. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we missed at all tonight? Uh, I guess, I guess one thing while you, while you wait, um, do you guys have a date for the striders that you're going to try to aim for to maybe drop a handful of them? Or is that still going to be a couple weeks out just to kind of build up inventory and, and kind of get some paint, paint, uh, figured out that you want to do paint patterns and stuff like that? I'm going to say it's probably going to be at least a couple weeks because like we have like, I mean, we've, we've uh, been working the last two days and I think we've built and painted 15 in the last couple of days and uh, they're already all claimed. So I want to say, give us a couple of weeks, but yeah, like I said, this is this, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be that couple of weeks. But if y'all are interested, go follow us. It's uh, I think it's it's high grade underscore. Let's see, I forget. Oh my goodness! Uh, it's high grade underscore fishing is our Instagram page, and then uh, I think we got a Facebook. It's the same thing, and then we're working on we're gonna have a TikTok at some point. But another thing too is like we're, we we want to really come out with some really cool uh, cinematic stuff. Like we, we like as far as like marketing goes, like we don't want your typical stuff. Like we want. Have you ever seen the Roman made Mother Chaser video? Yeah, where it's like the fucking sick ass underwater and drone footage and stuff like yes. that. Yeah. See, we we want to like focus on coming out with a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, but just just because it's like whenever you, like you're looking forward to a new episode of like your podcast, somebody who's a big time follower, you you know, like they see it come out and they're like, oh, gotta watch it. Like I, we want people to feel that way about our stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, you want there to be um, anticipation, and like you just want people to have their like just be like, oh, dude, like it's Tuesday. That means they're gonna post it. They're gonna they're gonna post a video that they've been working on for the last week or whatever. Yeah, so. it's it's just a yeah, it's a dopamine hit. That's that's it. 
Yeah, man, that'll be that'll be sick. And you said the Instagram was uh, high grade underscore fishing. Okay, perfect. also uh, kind of off topic. I mean, um, is there any chance we could sponsor one of your episodes? I mean, yeah, dude, we could uh, we could do one of those monthly stickers. I don't know if you saw that. Do the monthly sticker, and we could uh, we could kind of brainstorm an uh, an idea like a design, and then uh, we can we can give away a bait. Yeah, so, dude, uh, let's do it. It's like the buy a sticker, uh, buy a sticker for the five bucks, and then enter in the giveaway. And there's fifty spots, kind of like a raffle, essentially, pretty much. Yeah, I'm down, man. Or even two baits. I don't care. We're up for it. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, we'll we'll talk. I'd probably be able to come up with some harebrained idea of a design that we can do. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Oh, dude, I already fuck. I already I already got a design. I'll uh I'll have to tell <laughs> you after this. But oh um, yeah. So you got the Instagram. Did you say you have a Facebook page? I was trying to look at something when you were talking about that. Yeah, we do. It's uh, huh? Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, cool. Hell yeah, man. And uh, as always, all that stuff will be in the uh, in the show notes that you guys can go follow him uh so you guys will be hearing this we think i don't know we, we're trying to figure out july 3rd but we may push it back a little bit because i don't know if anybody will listen to it right before fourth of july unless you guys are going to be bumping it on the sandbar on your pontoons um so when you guys hear this uh you know it could be could be a week or two around when uh, they're going to be dropping those striders but trying to think of anything else when you guys are listening to this um I, yeah that's way too far advanced to try to think of anything to say so as always if you guys don't follow the podcast make sure you follow the podcast on instagram scales and tails underscore pod make sure uh if you want early access to the magazine and a guaranteed spot on the monthly sticker to subscribe to the patreon and they get early early uh, access to the magazine and also get to see some behind the scenes stuff so they get to see the zine as I'm working on it throughout the three months until the next drop. Um, if you haven't already, rate the uh, rate the show on your listening platform one through five stars. And I think that's everything. I'm probably I'm always missing, missing shit once we get to the end of the episode because my brain's just fried from talking. But I want to thank Ryan for coming on. It was, uh, I think when people listen to this, they're going to have an idea in their head about you. And they'll listen to this, and they'll kind of. It's kind of like, like, oh, he's a person. He's he's not just a guy behind a bait company. Like he he has feelings. He has he has dilemmas that go on in his life, and you know, people. I hope will kind of draw a conclusion and understand why stuff happened like it did. But like we talked about, there's always going to be people that hold it above your head. You know, matter no matter if you're the next Jeff Bezos in the swim bait world, people will always kind of reminisce on on the dark times but you know we can't we can't control that so we can only uh take it in stride and you know kind of help help you as you go so i don't know man i think it'll be a super good episode i I think people will enjoy it but like i said i want to thank ryan for coming on i want to thank you guys for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode and i'll talk to you guys next time see you guys